0: All from the video, I'm very excited to kick off this mini series of healthy idolatry. So, let me unpack that a little bit because hopefully you caught it. it's a little bit of a play on words, and maybe you caught it from the bumper video. Some of the topics that we're going to address is healthy idolatry. What does it mean? Part of why we want to tackle this because, like never before, even I'd say, even the history of our planet is health. And our health more of a focus. Some of the results is our society as we have got to such prosperity. We're no longer just, you know, we've eclipsed the threshold of surviving. And now we can just focus on our health and ourselves and growing ourselves. I've been to, you know, mission trips to Mexico and India. I've never been, you know, off in these rural villages like, oh, what is your diet? Like, yeah, I'm keto. Like, most of the world, like, my diet's surviving. You know, having enough food to live, that's my diet. I mean, think of all the diets out there of health. I mean, keto, Whole30, all these, Atkins, South Beach. I mean, I don't know what a good fat is, but now I think it's really important. I'm just starting making it up. You know, when people ask, you know, this is the time dieting. Oh, I always ask, which, you know, which diet are you doing? Oh, I'm South Beach. I'm going to start making stuff up like, yeah, I'm North Wisconsin. That's my diet. It's primarily cheese-based, like Monday's cheddar, Tuesday, like, just crazy. There's so many out there. And so I want to be dead clear, all right, before we dive into this. So when we think of healthy idolatry, that doesn't mean we're anti-health, okay? There is a good biblical place for being healthy. So I don't want you to come out of here justified like, that's why I'm so unhealthy. You know, preacher said it's of the devil, so, you know, all that healthy that is not what we're saying it is good it's biblical to be healthy so we're gonna go to this side of the room church is it good to be healthy yes okay I'll wait for you guys for a second but I want to be dead clear it is good it's important church is it good to be healthy church is it good to be idolatrous No, good job. Some of you are ready for the yes, and it isn't. So what are we talking about? Healthy, yes. Sorry, you guys are the idolatrous side. It's just the way it worked out. But you don't want to go into idolatry, and that's what we're talking about in this series. How do we have proper perspective towards health? Yes, in a good way, proper view, proper perspective, but doesn't swing into idolatry. And that's where we're looking at. How do we have a good, healthy view towards health, not an idolatrous view? Part of kicking off the series, I want to unpack a little bit of this idea of idolatry. Because some of it, it can be very foreign to us, this idea of idolatry. Oftentimes when we think of idolatry, this is what comes to mind, right? You know, like worshiping some god, just madashishka, that was offensive. I shouldn't have done that. One of my resolutions to be less offensive this year, it's early, give it time, all right? So, right, I mean, when we think of that, that's what we think of idolatry. You know, you worship, you know, you make this thing out of wood or gold, call it Joe Boo, even though it doesn't help you hit a curveball, you just worship it, and so that's the thought, right? There's a couple problems with that. One, if that's kind of the only view we have of idolatry, and that is a part of it, right? Right? Kind of making an image out of wood, gold, and then worshiping that as God. But part of it, as we look at that, that has nothing to do with our lives. If that's all idolatry is, none of us have a problem with that. The other issue is, the Bible has a broader picture when it comes to idolatry. It's not just making an image and worshiping that actual physical image. Let's look together at what is a broader, more biblical picture of idolatry, and I think you'll see we all were in danger of it. All right, we're going to be in Colossians 3. It's going to be on the screen. Follow along as I read. Colossians 3, 5, he says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthy, earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is? On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. How does Paul paint idolatry? It is covetousness. It is a misplaced desire. It is longing for something too much. John Piper has a great quote that I want to unpack that helps us understand a broader picture of idolatry. Let's look at this quote together. Talking about idolatry, he says, it starts in the heart. Craving, wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything you treasure more than God. That is an idol. Paul calls this covetousness. A disordered love or desire. Loving more than God would ought to be loved less than God and only for the sake of God. An act of loving too much what ought to be loved less. And that is why the wrath of God is coming. That is what idolatry looks like today, and it is everywhere in our culture. When you understand a biblical picture of idolatry like this, you see, we are all in danger of that. All of us. I've heard that, you know, our hearts are idol factories. Is there something that you love too much that ought to be loved less. If so, you have an idol. So don't just think little statues. Can your kids be an idol? You bet. Money, sex, relationships, can all these things be idols? Once we understand a picture of some of it, it, do you love that too much? Is that too important to you? And is, is, it, is it an end in and of itself? Or is that ultimately to help you worship God? That is what an idol is. Excessive desire more than something's worth. What is it that makes you so afraid? What is it that you ultimately dream about? If that is anything but God, you may have found an idol In your life. What is it that you just too freely spend your money on without question? You may have found an idol in your life. That is a more broad biblical picture of that. Is it too important to you? We joke about football, but I understand it. Like that is a legit idol in my life. When we we make a reference about football, we don't even have to ask. Just cheers come out. We talk about Jesus in eternity, you're like, oh, cool. Right? Do we, is it too important to you? And ultimately, why is it important to you? I want to look at another verse together. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So if we're thinking about idolatry and a, your idolatry of health, There are two things I want you to think through. Is it too important to you? As in more important than it should? And ultimately, why? Why are you pursuing that? It is good. I think you should pursue health, but I want you to ask yourself, ultimately, why? If the answer isn't ultimately God, there's a good chance that is crossing into the idol category in your life. (laughs) <laughs> so many diets out there. I signed up for an app, you know, a dieting app, and, you know, it's like the big scam, like, oh, it's totally free for three days, and then $4 million a month every time after that. We'll sign you up automatically, like, bang. But I went through the process, and they all have their angles, right? This angle was psychological. And I want you to think about this. So it asks, hey, what's your goal to be healthy? I want to lose 15 pounds. But it's interesting, it didn't stop there. What well, said, well, what's your reason? Well, I want to be healthy. But then it didn't stop there. It asked again. But ultimately, why do you want to be healthy? Now we're getting somewhere. Because we can have superficial idols. Oh, maybe it's money, maybe it's health. But oftentimes, there's a deeper idol. All of us have deeper idols about three layers lower. That are really driving us. Well, I I want to I want people to think I'm attractive and desire me. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Your ultimate why, that's your idol. And even ask, is that it? I want you to follow your goals to the end. And if your ultimate why isn't God, your ultimate why is your God. That's your idol healthy yes but we don't want to swing into idolatry so we're going to look at different aspects of that so that's kind of kick off to the series and the idol that we're going to look at today is the idol of youth youthfulness <laughs> tell me if you ever heard this phrase man enjoy college best years of your life anybody ever heard that phrase but nobody else has heard that phrase you never heard that phrase then raise your hand i'm asking you Could raise your hand right? Best years of your life. How depressing. We have decided as a society, my life peaks out at 22 or 25 for those of you who stumbled to find your major, right? Like my life peaks out at 22 and it's a long decaying decline to death. Yes. There's songs about the glory days, right? Pass me by, glory days. I'll sing my way through this whole sermon. When we were young, right? How many songs thinking about youth, young, being a how much money do we spend as a society looking young? Our country, on this anti-aging industry alone, spends more than other countries That's it. Like, period. Like, period! Like, countries on everything, we spend more than some countries just to look younger. I mean, thinking about the hair loss industry, the hair dyeing industry, the surgeries. I heard the surgery's up, right? Because now we're all staring at ourselves on Zoom. You're like, I look so old. And so now, cosmetic surgery's up. Why? Why? Because, you know, our faces, we're just po- literally pulling them back because we need to look young. We value that as a culture. Kind of studying for this, I came across this New York Times article. Here's the title of it. Age Limits for Fashion Models Underscore Our Obsession with Youth. There's a push right now. to put age limits for models think about that I mean how many of the the major names of fashion models they started at 15 16 part of this article is like how destructive is that to these girls these models is that right to do that to somebody at 16 have that much focus on their body and I a hundred percent affirm that now not just the model what does that do to all of us The picture of beauty that we're presented with is a 16-year-old size zero. Wow. But that is what we push towards. We have such a pressure to be young, to think through that. Do we value that? Do you value being healthy for good reasons? Or do you value so much to be healthy so you can look younger, you can be, and then fill in the blank. What is the idol for you? So I unpack this a little bit, so I want to kind of pull back the layers. I think in some ways we all know that, right? I was asking kind of the staff this week, you know, why is it that, you know, a lot of women are afraid to, to share their age? So I was going to have all the women stand up, and we're going to share our ages. like, right. <laughs> I won't. We all said that. Well, I don't know, because we don't want to be seen as old. Why? Because we just value being younger as a culture. I think there's a couple different layers to it. And then particularly, maybe some that men struggle more than women and vice versa. But I want to unpack, okay, we all understand that at face value, but why is it? Why do we not just idolize looking young, we idolize our youth? So first, I think we idolize our past circumstances. Not just looking young, we long to have life be like when we were young all of us in some ways you know can be tempted to struggle with our inner uncle rico you heard that right if you've never seen Napoleon Dynamite don't worry I have a clip back in 82 I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile are you serious I'm dead serious watch this What the heck are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. I you go. <laughs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Well, if a coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things have been different. I'd have gone pro. In a heartbeat, I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere. You know, soaking it up in a hot tub with my soul Kip, I reckon you know a lot about cyberspace. You, you ever come across anything Time travel. Easy. I've already looked into it for myself. Right on. Right on. I'm not proud of what I've done. I don't <laughs> I really struggle with that showing a clip of Napoleon dynamite. Is that okay at church? I don't know, I think it is. But part of it, I think it just kind of packed that and pictured that so well. Right on, man. As much as we laugh at that, you know how many people I talk to, right, that that's what they're thinking about and dream. about, kind of regret where their life is at, and they look back towards, and maybe it is high school football, I don't know, if it is something else for you, you look back to those glory days. Man. I've sat and talked, particularly with a lot of guys. Struggle with that. Man, I wish I could just go back to when I could just play video games. I lived by myself. I didn't have all these responsibilities. You know, life is so hard, and you can idolize another time of life. And idolize that past when it was easier. Again, what's those three layers beneath? Are you really idolizing your high school football career or is there something deeper? Why? I was easier. Why? Because I could do whatever I wanted. Maybe you idolized youth because the deeper idol in your life is just freedom, no responsibility. I think oftentimes when we talk, up, talk about idealizing the past, it can be that. Do you reject the responsibility you have now? Do you want to reject how hard your life has become and want to go back to a time where you could do whatever you want and life was easy and free and you could just play video games? I first heard it from Pastor Rick and it is the right illustration, particularly with guys. Guys are like pickup trucks. <laughs> right? Like a pickup truck. What do you know about a pickup truck? It drives better with the load in the back. You ever see that? People put big bags in the back of their pickup truck because it drives better with the rear-wheel drive. If you don't have a a load in the back, it kind of drives a little shaky. I was borrowing my buddy's truck because I had to move a couch. As you know, if you have a rear-wheel drive there was snow at that time, you can just kind of whip donuts with that rear-wheel drive. I'm not admitting to that from the pulpit. I'm not denying it either, but let's be clear, I did donuts in his truck. Right, because that's how trucks, man, if they don't have a load in the back, it gets off kilter. So I remember one of my first definitions of men was accept responsibility, step up. I know life was easier with no responsibility, and I could do whatever I want, but it wasn't better. Don't idolize, idolize that time when you could do whatever you want and be more selfish. Do you accept responsibility? And embrace those burdens and figure out how to be a man in the midst of that. Are you still looking back in 84? i would throw a football over them mountains. Okay. I think that's one of them. We idolize the past and we idolize when life was easier. So I think that's one reason. Another reason I think that can pop up is we doubt our present value. Again, I think this is kind of the obvious one when we think about this area. Again, every kind of person on staff I talk to, well, why? Why do we idolize youth? Because it's more valuable. So here we are desperately, not just trying to go back to the past, trying to look like we were young and fighting and clawing for that. I think particularly for women, man, what a tough burden. If God has blessed you to be a mom, Like you grew another human in your body. Like you were a tabernacle for the miracle of life. The human grew, you passed that human through your body, and some of you did that multiple times, and now you still need to look like you're 18. It's amazing you can walk. So, do we celebrate like the, the miracle of life to celebrate the gift that you've given this word, or do we celebrate? No, you need to look like you were when you were 17. Crazy. The Bible talks about even just celebrating gray hair. Gray hair is a crown of glory. For us, it's like a sign of leprosy that we avoid at all costs. There's no amount of dye, no amount of hair loss material we won't spend because we desperately don't want to look young because then we won't be desirable or valuable. It's sad. It's not a biblical value, but we're desperately idolizing that. Do you doubt your present value? And you're struggling to get back to that. Spoiler alert. You're getting older. At the end of this sermon, you're going to be older than when you first started the sermon, right? Like we're all taking another step. Do we handle that well and understand what our true value is in? I think last, another one I'm going to touch on a little bit briefly. Do you idolize the past? Do you doubt your value in the present? And lastly, do you fear our future death? Do you fear the fact that you're going to die? I think that's a part of it. Some of us are deathly afraid of death, right? Like, there's a reason that phrase exists. We're so afraid to die. And that's, you know, life is just like this avalanche pushing us towards death. And some of us are just so afraid. We're afraid that we can't face it, so we're clawing and doing everything we can to avoid it. Death is about undefeated. Got one loss, Jesus. Boom, right? A couple ties depend on Enoch, and that's an Old Testament joke I'm not going to go into. But are you afraid of death? Are you afraid to meet him? There's another great quote from Wayne Groom I want to read together. Follow along as I read. Modern Western cultures seek to avoid thinking about aging and death, and some people put immense amounts of money and time into attempts to hide the signs of aging, and to appear younger than they really are. How should Christians approach this phase of life? The perspective of Christians regarding aging and death should be far different from that of the secular culture in which we live. We do not have to fear death as unbelievers do. Because Jesus came to earth to triumph over Satan and to deliver all those who through the fear of death, death were subject to lifelong slavery. How do you cheer for the Browns game? And then, again, oh, oh, that's cool. Jesus defeated death. Like, you can clap for that, like, okay? No, seriously, clap for that. Like, Jesus defeated death, okay? We're okay! Right? So do we have a proper view? I think there's a couple different reasons why we can idealize health. There could be multiple other reasons for you. And I don't know what that is, Has your view of youth and health swung into idolatries? From there, I want to talk about not just the idol, how do we have a healthy view? How do we have a healthy, biblical view towards youth and health? One, I want to address this a little bit. Like, is it wrong at all to kind of move towards any steps of anti-aging or looking younger? Like, what do we do with that like can i use the anti-aging filter on the gram is that sinful like is it sinful to dye your hair and to dye your grays? yeah i'm just kidding i'm not going to say that i just want to wig out everybody that dyes their hair like oh no (laughs) preacher don't make me go gray it's not not saying that but i do want you to have a healthy view towards it again Wayne Grudem in his ethics book has a helpful quote to kind of wrap our heads around how do we approach any of these measures. There's certainly nothing wrong with a moderate effort to improve one's physical appearance. But the pursuit of a perfect body or a continual desire to disguise one's actual age can easily become an idol, turning our hearts away from God and the things he wants us to focus on. Now here's the tricky part, and I really have been praying more this week, so how do you define moderate? Some of that just comes down to your own heart. You know, are you being honest? Is this become too important for you? Or, okay, yeah, my spouse likes it, so it's okay with it. Here's a good test. Is it optional? Or is it necessary? And if it's necessary, by definition, it's an idol. You have to have it to define yourself. Is it an option for you not to dye your hair? There's no man, I can I can quit anytime I want, man. I swear, no, I could do it. You gotta be honest with yourself. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. And to have a good biblical view. Listen to this. This is important. So the death and decay of our bodies, is that a part of God's original plan? No. That is a result of sin, just like disease is a result of sin. We push back against disease. And so, yes, is there, you know, an appropriate measure, again, to be healthy, to push back against the decay of our bodies? Absolutely. But is your heart in the right place for the right reasons in proper perspective? So, yes, but is your heart in the right place? So if we think of a healthy view, do you value what God values? Can I mean, we think of kind of resolution time, Right? Do your resolutions kind of reflect God's values or do they reflect worldly values? The amount of time, energy, resources you spend, does that match up with biblical values or are those out of bounds and too important for you? This is a great verse for this series. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Is that true you your pursuit in this life? Yes, there's value, but it's limited. There's some value in pursuing, whether it be just youth or overall health. But godliness holds value in every way. How much are you striving, you know, where the world says to be young, God says to grow and mature. How much of your values, whether it be resolutions, are towards godliness, towards maturity? do you value what God values or is that out of whack for you? You value so much to get young and to be young and then you value some to grow in godliness. We should reverse that and ultimately value God above all. Your ultimate why for all of your goals, hopefully some of them are spiritual, but even if it's physical health and youthfulness... Can you tell yourself you're ultimately doing that for and because of God? I want to end by talking about this guy. So about youth, he's pretty old. You can tell from that picture. It might even be a drawing. This is Jonathan Edwards. He was born in 1703. I remember the first time hearing about his resolutions. Jonathan Edwards famously had 70 resolutions. And part of that I'm excited to kick off this series because this is resolution time, right? And I know some of you like resolutions aren't spiritual enough, and you're like, I don't do resolutions. That's fine. You can call them steps of sanctification. I don't care. But some you I want to ask, like, I don't do resolutions. Why? Because I've arrived. Like, what can I approve on, you know? I got one resolution. Stay awesome. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you've arrived and you don't need to grow. That's fine. But for the rest of us where we still can grow some, and I don't care if you do it around the holiday account or whatever, but you should resolve to maturity and growth. I want you to look at his resolutions. Because they really match to value what God values. His balance, I think, was such a good place. Listen to one of his resolutions. He resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently is that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. That's a resolution. I don't do resolutions. Maybe you're doing the wrong ones. You have such a focus on things that have some value, not enough focus on things that have value in every way. If you're doing resolutions, do they line up with this? Do you have far more energy and investment to grow in maturity to grow in knowledge and wisdom, not to just make yourself look younger. But is there a proper place for health and all these things? Sure. Listen to, I mean, he had even a dieting resolution resolved to maintain the strictness, temperance, in eating and drinking. He saw there was value in that. But watch this. What was his ultimate why? Some of you are right in here, right? I'm, I'm sure he did, you know, you could do keto, you could do the John Edwards diet this year. But why? Why was he so strict about his eating? Listen to his reasoning. By a sparingness in diet, and eating as much as may be what is light and easy of digestion, I shall doubtless be able to think more clearly and shall gain time. One, by lengthening out my life. Two, shall need less time for digestion after meals. Three, shall be able to study more closely. Did he have a value on health? Yeah. Why? Ultimately, his ultimate why was worship of God. He wanted to be able to serve God better. He, wanted, he was a theologian, maybe the most influential theologian. But it was ultimately to serve God. God, if something got out of whack and too important to you, and ultimately why are you doing that? If your ultimate why isn't God, you found an idol. Listen to his very first one. Resolve that I will do whatsoever, I think, to be most to God's glory. As we think of idols, listen to me. This is important. Only God has the appropriate amount of glory. That word is even related to the word of gravity. Only has the appropriate amount of gravity. You think about our solar system for your world to work. Our solar system is so perfectly dialed in. If the sun was smaller or bigger, if it didn't have enough glory or gravity, we would just shoot off into the universe or collapse onto the sun. If your ultimate why, whether it's your kids, money, relationships, whether it's your pursuit of youthfulness, if anything is in the center of your universe, I promise you, you will collapse on it. You will crush it or it will crush you. Think about that with your kids and your pursuit of youth. I promise you, it won't satisfy you. Only God It's the appropriate amount of glory and gravity to be your ultimate why. If we've learned anything from 2020, it's perspective, right, of what's really important. Would your resolution this year, if you make anything be, I'm gonna stop chasing all these idols that will never satisfy me and will ultimately ruin me. That God is gonna be the center of, of my universe. I won't have idols, I'll have worship. And everything I do will ultimately be to serve him. Will you pray with me? Father, I do ask, God, that your spirit would convict us right now. God, that you would convict us of our idols. Things that have taken your place in our lives, the things that we serve instead of you, would your spirit reveal that to us? Whether that's youthfulness, whether that's money, our kids, whatever it is, would we acknowledge that they should not be the center of our universe? Would we repent of our idolatry and would we worship you now, placing you as the center of our universe, the center of our lives? that everything would be done for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.